You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Pastor Jason, did you find out something you're thankful for this morning? Yeah? That's good. I, I hope somebody said something to you that they were thankful for. I'm thankful that Pastor Jim hasn't started using just for men. He's just gone natural with his beard. <laughs> right off the bat. Oh, we start. I hope you've had a great Thanksgiving with you and your people, uh, who, whoever they may be. I, I hope you've had a great time getting together. Uh, we went to Michigan. My family and I went to Michigan. I had a cousin who got married on Friday. It was a beautiful thing. Michigan was freezing until Friday, and then it warmed up just enough. And somebody said to, this morning to me that, that it's supposed to snow at least some northern parts of Missouri and maybe across the Midwest. And I thought, if God has favor on us, I prayed this before we came into this time. If God has favor on us, he's going to send us some snow because snow's good for us, right? You're not sure about that. You are not with me on that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about deeper discipleship. And as, as we start thinking about that, and we're, going to, we're going to take a look at, at Philippians chapter 3. Paul talks about a race and finishing a race. And on, on Thursday, across all, in all kinds of places across our country, on Thursday morning there were turkey trots. I don't know, anybody in here participating in the turkey trot downtown? Yes. Very good, a number of you. Saw a number of pictures of people, friends on Facebook, uh, some other social media sites. We were in, we were in Michigan, and, and my mother-in-law signed us all up to participate in a turkey trot. It was awesome. It was 17 degrees. I mean, what better way to start out a morning? It was a beautiful morning. So there we were at the finish line, turkey trotting uh, at the end, which finish lines are really important in life, right? Because when you get to the finish line, you know that you're done, that that, that you, can, you can go on with the rest of the day's activities. Uh, I got the joy of running alongside of and, and carrying things for my daughter, Kyrie. She was intent on, on running this race. Now, she's in really good shape because she's a dancer, but she's not in running shape. Okay, but she's like, I am running this race. And when it was 17 degrees, she bundled up like she was in Alaska, like she was an Eskimo. And so we got, we weren't even to the first mile. She's like, I can't breathe. And so off starts coming stuff, and I start carrying it. And I'm like, I can't wait to get to the finish line so I can quit carrying all of her stuff. <coughs> and then we saw, we saw a real champ that morning who was a, he was running a 10K. He wasn't just running a 5K. And he was in nothing but shorts. And we're like, no, he wasn't wearing any, I mean, in shoes, shorts and shoes. That was it. And I'm like, wow, somebody's being extra special today. I mean, they're going to they're gonna get the whole thing. They get to that finish line, and they're going to be looking not just for the medal, but they're going to be looking for some clothes because they just need something. 
The finish line is an, is an important element in our Thursday morning. The finish line is also an important element in lots of things in life, right? Like if, if you're in the world of academia, whether you're a teacher or a student or something like that, you need finish lines to know that there's a time when things are done, when it's completed. Because the reality is, is that, just as Solomon says, the end of knowledge, the end of books, there is no end. We could study forever and ever and ever and never move on, but there has to come a point where you move on. If you manage a project, if you oversee something, you know that there's a moment when you need a finish line, when you can wrap a project up and you can go on. If you're a, a sports fan and if your team isn't doing very well, you look for the finish line to know that this season of losing is over. Now, if your team's a winning team, you're like, this could go on forever, right? Because you're in that kind of euphoria. But a, a finish line is an important reality. We look for it. We, we find it helpful. But when we think about a finish line in our walk with God, is there ever a point where we come to that line where we can say we're done in our walk with God? Do we get to that point? Is there a finish line? Can you see it? Well, the, the Apostle Paul has some things that he says to us about running the race and a finish line. If uh, you have your Bibles with you, I'd like to encourage you to take them out and turn to Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to be reading starting at verse 10, and we'll just walk through some of Paul's comments. Now, it helps for us to understand that when Paul writes this letter to the church of Philippi, he's under house arrest, and he's in Rome. He's, he's been arrested for preaching and proclaiming the message of Christ, and he's been taken to Rome. And he's later on in life, and he's looking at what may be the end of his life and of his ministry. But here are some things that Paul says to us. Starting Philippians 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that, the, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ. I want to know the mighty power that raised him up. I want to know him in his suffering. I want to know him in his resurrection. Paul has a holy ambition, ambition that marks the fullness and the full scope of his life. He says, I want to know Christ, and I want to know everything that there is. Now, when we think about somebody saying, I want to know something, we tend to think that we, we want to know in the places where we talk about knowing things, like in our minds or in our hearts or in our guts, you know, places where we say we know something, we know it deep down, we can have a sense of knowledge or we can have a sense of experience of it. Paul goes beyond just saying, I want to know Christ in that way or I want to know about Christ. He says, no, I don't want to be somebody who watches from the stands what somebody else does on the playing field. I want to be with Christ. I want to walk in the shoes that Christ walks. I want to share in his suffering, and I want to share in the power of his resurrection. I want to know that in all the fullness of my own being, the best way, the only way that I can really seem to understand it is to be there myself. I've got to be on the playing field. Pastor Bob talked about being on the playing field last week about the importance of, of if we want to see God's power at work, we've got to put ourselves out there on the playing field. And that's where Paul says, I want to be. 
And now for some of us, the idea of sharing in the resurrection power of Christ, we, we, can, we can embrace that. We can understand that. We can be like, yeah, we want to see God do great things. I think the real challenge for myself at least, and maybe for you too, is to say, I'm willing to share in the suffering of Christ. Because we seem to do just about everything in our power to try and get out of suffering. We'll try to avoid suffering in all kinds of, of ways. I am one of the sorriest patients that you have ever met in your life. I do not like suffering. When I go to the dentist and they want to do something on my teeth, I'm like, can you just numb the whole mouth? Can you knock me out? I don't want to undergo suffering. And dentists, God bless those who are dentists, those who've given birth to dentists, those who've cared for dentists, those who've equipped dentists, because they just stand over you and they say, suck it up. (laughs) You can't get out of all kinds of suffering. You've got to undergo some suffering. Suffering comes to us, doesn't it? We can seek to hide from it, run from it, avoid it at all costs, but it comes. Paul says, we've got, I want to know Christ and I want to know him in his suffering so that I can know him in his resurrection power. A couple weeks ago, Barbara Boyce, a member of our congregation, somebody who sung in the choir for years, began to tell uh, the choir and she began to tell others that, that she's come to a place in her life where she's going to stop some of the medical treatments that have been so important to keeping her alive. And she knows that there's an, a next journey for her. And that next journey is going to include some suffering. And she had to have a conversation with God. In fact, she said to me that God came to her in a vision and simply said, Barbara, it's going to be okay. It's going to be good. You don't need to be afraid. It's going to be good. It's going to be okay. And so with joy, she's been telling people, you know, I'm like, I'm getting ready for the next part of life. When I not only know Christ and the power of his resurrection by knowing his presence and the suffering that is out in front of me. All of us um, may come to that place, that moment. Maybe it's not in sharing the same kind of journey Barbara has. or in the same kind of journey Paul has. <clears throat> but Paul says, will we Will we want to know Christ in the fullness of who he is? That's a holy ambition, a holy passion, a holy desire. So he says that, I want to know Christ. And then he goes on. Again, remember that he's in prison. He's close to the end of his life. And here's what he says. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus has possessed me. Dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. I press on. A couple of things that strike me about what Paul says there is that he says, I've I forget the past. There can be a kind of false finish line that we think that we accomplished, that we've come to in life. Both in the in the life that we've lived generally and the in the life that we live with God. For Paul, many people could have said, Paul, you've you've done everything you can. Just just be kind and be good here in the last days. Maybe the Romans will be kind and good to you. 
Paul's like, you know what? There are things for, that God has for me to do yet. And I can't just throw the towel in. I can't look back at the letters I've written. I can't look back at the churches I've planted. I can't look back at what we might consider as accomplishments and say, that's good enough. I don't know what God has in store, but whatever it is, I'm going to press on. And then there were others. In fact, Paul spoke about those earlier in this letter to the church at Philippi who would say, you know what, there's a point in life where we can say we're really good with God. And the point that many of them were pointing to is the reality that, that if you underwent circumcision in their understanding, then you would be considered under the covenant and you would be good with God and, and that's really all that was required of you. In our own understanding, we might say if, if you become baptized, you become a member of the church, then you're good with God. And Paul says, it's not good enough. It's not good enough to stay in that spot to simply check off a box on the list. He said, there is this pressing on that we're called to, and I need, I need to continue into it. I, I love the reality that here at Schweitzer, we get to have conversations with people. I get to have conversations, I, I don't know, I hope you do too, of people who are pressing on, who have that sense of burden. They share that calling, that challenge with, with God this morning, even as I came in. I got to see Colonel Brown, and Colonel Brown always gives me an update on where he's leading. Now, Colonel, you're up into your 90, 90th, in your ninth decade of life, aren't you? He is. And every morning I come in, he tells me about where he's been reading in the scriptures and what's been challenging him and what's been speaking to him fresh and anew. Colonel Brown and others continue to, to press in, and they continue to say, Lord, I want to hear you. What do you have to say to me out of the text, out of the, this book that you've written for us? How do you press on? Here within our midst, there are a number of places where we can begin to press into and press on. We've got classes that meet at 940 on Sunday morning. It's a great place to open up scriptures and to do that with other people. There's also some other things. Will You want to place those things up there for us? A number of people continue to press on together, and Paul talks about the need to, not only does he want to press on, but he wants to press on in community. And we've got some places where people do that with God's Lunch Bunch. Wednesday mornings at, at 11 o'clock below here, it's for women. And for guys, there's a group that meets on Monday mornings at 6.30 in Memorial Hall, movers and shakers. And I've always found it fun to listen to people who go to those elements and talk about those names and how those names fit or don't fit those groups, but they just, they love what takes place in those, they love what takes place in those moments where they come and they say, you know what, there's something, I don't know what it is, but I've got to be in community and I've got to listen to the words of scripture. I've got to make myself open to that. Coming up in January, there's going to be a new opportunity to us called the Bible Made Simple. It's a class experience that will open up and just in a in a real brief moment, give a grand sweep of the, of the story of Scripture. Because some of us, we need to be reminders. Some of us, we need to open ourselves up for the first time, for the first time into the story of Scripture. Well, Paul says, there's much that I want to know about Christ and I want to press into him. And Paul faces the daily challenge, and we face the daily challenge too, right, of living out faith. For Paul, it's being cooped up in a house arrest. It's finding a way to live out the, the great commandments of how do I love God and how do I love not only my neighbor but my enemy. 
because I've got an enemy who's a Roman soldier that stays with me day in and day out. And for you, for me, maybe it's the fact that we have to live with uh, emotions that sometimes get the better of us or we, we lose our cool. We, we find ourselves someplace in life where we don't act somewhat like Christ. And so we face a challenge. What is it to continue to press in and to press on and to carry out the likeness of Christ in all things and to see the likeness of Christ emerge in us in all things? Some of those moments where we not only get to talk about Scripture, but then where we get to really talk about what's deep down, what's happening in the inner reality of our lives. We've got a couple of things here within our own body that make that available to us. Some of you have heard about, many of us have heard about covenant discipleship groups. It's a group, small group that gets together and it makes a, it's a covenant about what kinds of things do we want a covenant to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to follow after Christ. Bands are places where people bear their souls and they talk about what's, what's a real hang-up in my own spirit. Recently, I was visiting somebody from Schweitzer in the hospital and this family has, has been on a journey with cancer for a long time, and the husband's undergoing, the, he's got the cancer. And I got to have a conversation with his wife. As she just described the sweet, tender experience that took place in the room a couple nights before I visited when the band, these guys that have been journeying with her husband, came into the room. And they brought stories about things that were happening in their, in their everyday life. And they brought an opportunity to listen to the things that the guy was going through as he was in the hospital trying to under, undergo treatment for the pain and handle the pain. And in the midst of all that pain, they just brought the presence of joy and encouragement. And then, as his wife was telling me about the significance of the band in their life, she, she talked about the significance of her band, of a few women that she journeys with, who she connects with regularly, and they listen to her. <clears throat> they hear her out on this journey. Not that they can solve anything, but we carry one another's burdens when we meet together. Some of you are in a band or you're in a covenant discipleship group. You know what power is present there. And some of you, you've heard about those things and you're wondering, like, are they really for me? Well, I would just simply encourage you that if you want to press in, if you want to press on, if you want to continue to run the race, and if you've never taken advantage of those elements, I'd encourage you to do so. If you're interested, you can contact Pastor Jake. And if you ever use the Schweitzer app, you can... Go there and you can um, email him directly from the Schweitzer app. Well, Paul continues after he talks about how I want to continue and I want to win the heavenly prize. Then he says this, beginning in chapter 15. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you agree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Paul talks to the spiritually mature. He says, don't get disturbed. Don't get distracted by disagreements. 
There are plenty of disagreements, aren't there? In our own community, <clears throat> I guess there's been a little bit of a dis- disagreement over the place of yoga in the church. And people get uptight, and they get upset, and they make comments vocally and, and in social media and, and around coffee tables. And I suppose probably some people even talked about it at Thanksgiving dinner. There's all kinds of things that can disturb us, distract us. But brothers and sisters, there's a real race to be won and a real race that we need to take up and run. And there are things that come along that can really simply serve as a distraction to the fullness of what God has in store for us. And some of us, if we've come to that place where we think we're spiritually mature, you know, we haven't crossed the finish line, but we've come to that place where we think we've got some things in store and and in order. We need to come back to some places. We need to revisit some places where God still challenges us, where God still puts things in front of us that we don't have an answer to, we don't have an answer for, and we need to have fresh faith and bold faith and fresh prayers. One of the things we've talked a great deal about here in this midst is is the role of mentoring at Schweitzer. And there are all kinds of mentoring opportunities. And I don't want to necessarily say you may need a mentor, but I really want to challenge you this morning to step up to the plate. If If you're not serving as a mentor, if you don't have somebody who's walking along beside of you, maybe mentoring is a place where you could serve. And the beautiful thing about being a mentor is that mentors don't have to solve problems. Although there will be moments when you really want to solve a problem. Because somebody who that you're walking alongside of is going to tell you their story and their story is going to break your heart. And when your heart is broken, you're going to want to step in and you're going to want to fix things, but you can't fix things for another person. You can't serve as a parent to another adult. You have to serve as a living window of what it is to walk by faith with vibrant and urgent prayer. And you have to find yourself calling out to God in ways that you haven't called out to God in. So if, if you're wondering, what is it? How is it that you can press into what God would have for you? Maybe it's by serving as a mentor. Or maybe, maybe you've come to a place in your life where you think you've checked all the boxes that you're supposed to. I remember as a little boy visiting a church, I think we were in Iowa on vacation. And the unique thing that happened that morning that stuck out to me was that somebody was given a, a pin for 45 straight years of perfect attendance at, vaca- at, at Sunday school. And I thought to myself, how in the world do you show up 45 years in a row and get a pin for perfect attendance for Sunday school? Don't you have to play hooky at least once? Don't you, like, have to go on vacation at least once? The reality is is that sometimes we check off all those boxes. We do all the things that people put out in front of us. We may even have some perfect attendance pins. And yet there may be a point in your own spirit deep down where you go, 
Lord, I've done all this stuff, but it's been a while since I've heard your voice. Lord, I do the stuff that they talk about at church. I go to the things that they talk about. I pray and I open up scriptures every day, but Lord, it's been a while since I've seen your face. And maybe you're just at that place, and sometimes you can get to that place, and you're like, I think I'll just put everything on hold. The Apostle Paul continues, speaking to the spiritually mature. He says, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. Learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you often before, and I say it to you again with tears in my eyes. There are many whose conduct shows that they're really enemies of the cross. They've given up in the sense. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we eagerly await on his return as our Savior. He will take our weak and moral bodies, and he'll change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you. I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and my crown that I receive from my work. Paul says, stay true to the Lord. Don't settle. Don't settle for simply becoming a nice person, an upstanding citizen. Don't settle for a, a church that's domesticated and it's made you nice and good and nice to be around. Don't settle for a tame lion. That's the way C.S. Lewis put it, right? The lion of God is good, but he's not tame. And there are things he puts in front of us, each and every one of us, places he wants us to go, things he has for us that will press us to follow Christ today with fresh faith. In a couple of months, a couple of weeks, I guess, you'll probably be hearing about something that's been a real press, point of pressure in my own life. This past spring, Pastor Bob took Pastor Jake and I aside and he said, fellas, I want you to write a book. Or I want you to write something, a witness to the church about the challenges that are facing the United Methodist Church. Pastor Jake is young and he's go-getting and he's like, I'm, I'm game for this. I'm in my mid-40s. I looked at that task and I'm like, why don't you have Pastor Jim do it? <laughs> It'd be short. Well, it's not short now. But I have to tell you, before you ever see the cover of that book or read the contents of it, I had the deepest challenge of my life deciding if I could really write what I think and really write what I see present within the pages of Scripture and write with a heart that's true and open and real. It was a challenge of my own faith. 
in some ways, I've borne that challenge with just a few other people. Could I write what I see Scripture saying? And Barbara Boyd's didn't know it. She was telling her own story when she came up to me on this right out here in, in entrance A, when she talked about her vision from God, but she didn't fill all the details in for me, so it was just kind of out of the blue. Pastor Jim, will you come up here just for a second? You're going to be an illustration for me. And Barbara came up to me about 10 days ago because she'd been down with the choir. She said, I had a vision. And then she said, can I kiss you? And she leaned over and she <laughs> kissed me on the cheek. Now, I didn't know where that was going, actually. And I, he, didn't, and I didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> and then she stepped back. And in my own heart, I've had all this stuff swirling around, all these questions. And Barbara just said, I've had a vision from God. And God said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Friends, I don't know. I don't know the stuff that God has been putting in your lane. The things he's been asking you to carry. The race he's been asking you to run. But he does. And I don't know how you've been tempted to just set out and play it safe. But know this, I've been tempted to set out and play it safe. But I think Barbara's vision for God has something more to say just to Barbara. I think Barbara's vision from God is a word to all of us. Run with me. Run with me until you find yourself in the house of God. Run with me. Don't give up. Don't play it safe. Don't think that I'm a tame lion. I'm a good lion. I'm a good God. Run the race set in front of you until you find yourself in God's house and God's finish line. And God says to each and every one of us, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. Run the race.